NPR. This is the indicator for Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma, here with Darian Woods. Hello. And super special guest this week, Sarah Gonzalez from Planet Money. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. We are here for Indicators of the Week. We've got a pretty packed lineup with AI stock pickers, seeing what they think of the market. We're looking at the 32-hour work week, and we're investigating this Airbnb crackdown. Coming up after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, their tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Now when you open an account, you can get up to $1,000 with a qualifying deposit. Terms apply. Learn more at eTrade.com slash NPR. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. Member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at betterhelp.com NPR today to get 10% off your first month. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Arctic Wolf. Their researchers have released the Arctic Wolf Lab's 2024 threat report. Why will 2024 be a volatile year for cybersecurity? Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com NPR. Indicators of the week. Darian, you're first up. What you got? My indicator is Triple, which is related to the chip maker NVIDIA, which has been in the spotlight a lot recently. Its share price has more than tripled this year. It's doing very, very well because a lot of AI systems use its chips. Investors were laser-focused on its earnings report this week, which came in even stronger than expected. Its share price shot up even further. So are you telling me that it's too late to get on this train? We thought it might have been too late this week, but it still went up quite a lot. Whether or not it keeps going higher, I mean, I'm no, I'm no psychic. Take the gamble, Adrian. Take the gamble. <laughs> Buy high, sell higher, right? That's the hope from some people. But what we're seeing with NVIDIA is really an extreme version of a boost that is across the board for the major AI players. So Microsoft, Meta, Alphabet, aka Google... People have been clambering to invest in these companies. They're hoping to get a slice of the AI action. Who, who does not want to cozy up to our robot overlords? I don't. <laughs> it's with Sarah, and she's a good company, which is the robot overlords themselves. So they're a little bit down on investing in AI. There's these funds out there that use artificial intelligence to find patterns in the stock market, use those patterns to hopefully try to make money, and they haven't been investing in a lot of AI companies. AI is saying it is not a good idea to invest in AI companies? Yeah, so the Wall Street Journal reported this week that there are at least 13 funds that use AI to make decisions, and they're not investing in AI companies. The vast majority of them, though, have made worse returns than just if you'd invested in the stock market as a whole this year. I guess this this does give me a little bit of optimism because, like, 
if AI was trying to take over, they would be like, you should invest in more AI. Ah, I see. I like how you're thinking. I like where your brain's at, Adrian. <laughs> I, I mean, one AI-powered fund refused to buy Meta shares because it thought it was overvalued. So it's this kind of fear that maybe these big rises aren't sustainable. So AI doesn't believe the AI hype. Yeah, it's this beautiful irony and <laughs> potentially something to give investors pause when they ask whether we're in a true boom or a passing bubble. Okay. And when the AI fully automates all our work, I guess we're going to be working fewer hours. And it sounds like the path towards fewer hours of work ah. is coming up, <laughs> Sarah. Darian, I have just the indicator for you. What's your indicator? 32 hours that is how long the work week will now be in one county in Washington state. Could it be 32-hour work week and a 40-hour salary? Yes. So, okay, a lot of private companies have moved to like a four-day work week or a 32-hour work week. Uh, but this is interesting because this is one of the first times that a government in the United States has made the switch. This this feels big to me. It feels like a change is happening. It is a small county. It's made up of a few islands in Washington, San Juan County. It's supposed to be like stunningly beautiful. And most of its employees, 70% of the county's employees, will now work eight hours less Every week, it's going to apply to county road crews, county clerks, park workers, nurses, people who are in charge of like environmental issues. Their pay is not going to be docked. Their pay is going to stay exactly the same. They just get to work less hours a week now. It sounds dreamy. Huh. I would love to see the results of this. We've seen some studies in favor of working fewer days. Yeah, there's a big one out of the United Kingdom that basically showed that cutting hours did not actually hurt productivity. And in some cases, it increased productivity. I will say that I have spoken to a labor economist who's like, I've seen the studies. I know the studies. But like, come on. Of course, productivity will drop. You're working one day less. Like, of course it will. It does seem too good to be true, surely. It seems too good to be true. Uh, but actually, productivity was not the impetus for why this county, San Juan County, cut hours. They cut hours because of budget difficulty. So apparently one of the labor unions was asking for these big pay increases for county workers to keep up with inflation. But the county didn't want to have to raise taxes to afford pay raises for county employees. So in order to keep workers and keep them happy, they cut the work week. All right, let me get this straight. So, like, people are working fewer hours, but they're not actually getting the pay raises that they wanted? Right. Technically, their hourly wage is going to go up, right? Because they get to keep their same pay for less hours. But yeah, at the end of the week, no, they won't actually have more money in their pocket. So if more free time is what you want, then this is great, you know, to like go to the doctor's appointments or whatever. Uh, but if what you need is more money, I mean, I guess you could like get a second job on the side on your new day off. Huh. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the county does say that they're not going to cut services. Like county offices will still be open. They're going to, you know, have consistent hours. It's just they're going to adjust them, like maybe slightly less hours every day or close one day a week, things like that. The reduced hours don't apply to the county sheriff's office and management or during cases of emergencies. So I don't know, guys. This seems like the future. It seems like a definite trend. It seems like the indicator and Planet Money should just, for journalism, move to a four-day work week, see if it affects our productivity, 
Like, let's just let's just make this happen. And and with that extra day, I guess you're going to be taking more vacation times, possibly staying in an Airbnb. Adrian Ma, tell us about yours. The king of the transition, <laughs> Darian. I tried my best. Uh, just quick poll. Who here has taken a trip and stayed in an Airbnb? Yes, I'm a young professional in the U.S. I've, I've stayed in an Airbnb. And when you stay in an Airbnb, do you like, do you prefer to rent out the whole thing for yourself or do you like to kind of stay in those Airbnbs where the person's like in the other room watching TV or making eggs or something? It depends how expensive the city is. Yeah, I don't mind staying with, with people. Okay. Well, I, I tend to prefer the ones where I get to be by myself. But pretty soon, these listings may be pretty hard to come by if you're planning a trip to New York City. Wait, you won't be able to get the whole space to yourself? Okay, so in about two weeks... The New York City government is going to start cracking down on listings because of this law that they passed last year, which bans short-term rentals, which are less than 30 days long, where the host is not around. All right. So sharing your apartment for a couple of nights is okay, but renting out the entire thing is not. Exactly. Of course, this happens all the time on platforms like Airbnb or or Verbo or Booking.com. And... The city estimates that 10,800 listings are currently illegal under the rules. So that's my indicator of the week, 10,800. And pretty soon, the people who are caught making these kinds of listings could face fines up to 5,000 bucks. That's serious money. Yes. And and this is obviously not good for the people who are trying to make that money on Airbnb, right? But you know, the city's rationale for doing this is that New York has an affordable housing crisis. And there's research to suggest that as Airbnbs increase in number, that means fewer units that are available for long-term rental, which can contribute to higher rents. And uh, I don't know, I think it'll be interesting to see, maybe we'll see some studies in the future that look at what happened when you start taking away Airbnbs. Maybe more and more people are just going to start hanging out with strangers now. Yeah, what's going to happen to the social fabric? We'll all start making friends again. (laughs) In the meantime, we would actually like to hear from you, our listeners. Uh, If you think you're going to be affected by this ban or a similar ban, you know, if you're a a host or a traveler, we want to hear your story. Email us at indicator at npr.org. This episode was produced by Brittany Cronin and engineered by Robert Rodriguez. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. It was edited by Kate Cannon. The Indicator is a production of NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Greenlight. Want to teach your kids financial literacy? With Greenlight, kids and teens use a debit card of their own, while parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and savings in the app. Get your first month free at greenlight.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. With NPR Plus, there's more to hear, like extended interviews with some of the experts we talk to at Planet Money and The Indicator. It's a mistake for economists to only think about economic efficiency when considering policies because you'll actually wind up with a worse outcome. And with NPR Plus, you help keep NPR going. Learn more at plus.npr.org.